Welcome and uh, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Jane Irrigation Training Series. I'm Richard Rastusha, Vice President of Water Management Solutions for Jane Irrigation. And today we're breaking out of the box a little bit. And uh, as we've added to our irrigation series segments, uh, uh, we, we've branched out to a little bit on how to run your business as well, or how to be a better business person. And today we're gonna take a look at uh, understanding cybersecurity threats and what you can do about them. Now, the reason we're focusing on this is twofold. One, we just see these uh, threats or people attacking websites or whatever mode of uh, in internet uh, uh, business you're, you're operating. We're seeing this happen more and more. And in particular, we're starting to see uh, major hits in the agricultural industry, which puts all of our customers on, on red alert. So we're gonna talk today about uh, why this is happening, how you can prevent it, and uh, most importantly, what to do when you're hit, because it's not a matter of uh, if, it's a matter of when. And uh, taking us through this journey today is uh, Nathan DeSutter. He is the CEO and owner of Compnology. Nathan, uh, that business has been around 21 years now. Uh, you've done a great job building a business from, I'm gonna guess back in a time where uh, we were using dial-up modems to get on the internet. So you've seen a lot of technology expansion over 21 years. You know, you work with uh, Jane, and I know you've worked with uh, AgriValley before, uh, uh, before Jane and AgriValley uh, were together. And your company uh, has a high, high reputation. I know everybody I talked to uh, at Jane and AgriValley has said what a great job you and your company have done. Uh, I know it's really taken us to a high, high level uh, of, um, of, of protection, as well as just competence in, in dealing with uh, our uh, various um, uh, computer issues and, and challenges at Jane. So thank you very much for that. And thanks for joining us today. Great to be here, Richard. Appreciate that. Yeah, so the, the first thing I'm wondering about, right? So I live down here in San Diego, as you know, uh, one of our uh, Scripps Health got hit uh, last week with uh, ransomware. Uh, people weren't able to go to the hospital, the closest hospital because of this. I mean, this is a pretty serious issue. We're reading about uh, JBS yesterday and the meat packing and processing and, and what that's doing to that supply chain. Um, Nathan, is this a few isolated incidents that the media is talking about? Or is this a real, are these real issues that are popping up all over? Yeah, great question. Uh, let me go ahead and share my screen. We'll answer some of those questions. You mentioned that one about JBS, and I'll, I'll start with that one and kind of segue and answer the, uh, the question. Uh, JBS, you know, they, so the largest meat manufacturing uh, company out there, they had to shut down 13 facilities. They've taken, uh, you know, 22,000 cattle a day, and they were hit with a cyber attack. Uh, now, that cyber attack on JBS, you know, while most of us on our Memorial Day weekend, we're probably camping or barbecuing or doing whatever, taking some time off. But on Sunday, the uh, criminals decided to attack them, and uh, they were down now for at least a couple days. And, you know, this just goes to show the scope of these attacks, to think that it could take down 13 processing facilities, that it could impact uh, the whole supply chain, food supply chain, we're already under pressure from labor shortages, production constraints. The last thing we need is these cyber attacks, uh, but they're very real. We see them in the news, Richard, but I'll tell you, they, they happen. Uh, we're seeing them on a weekly basis uh, in some uh, form within our, uh, in the community of uh, companies that we work with. 
Um, but, but the risks are rising. And I'm gonna show you another example just to kind of connect the dots there with Garmin. Maybe you, you guys saw this, uh, this was last year, but here still within the ag, we use a lot of you know, GPS related services. Garmin had their entire systems offline for four days. No emails, no phone calls, no communications, no files, totally dark, totally black. And the attackers had asked for a, they put a $10 million ransom on their environment. Now Garmin ended up paying a ransom for their attack. It wasn't released how much they paid, 10 million was asked. Um, but you know, we think about our businesses then, these are not you know, one-off cases. These are happening all the time as we'll discuss. But if your business was hit in the ag business we're gonna focus on or in all agribusiness and, and related, what would be the impact of shutting down your facilities? if there was a $10 million ransom requested, um, the impact is huge. Um, and even if you could recover, uh, your still operations are impacted significantly. So the risks, Richard, they're going up tremendously, especially yeah. in the last few years, we've seen a 100% increase year by year. And then last year we saw about a 300% increase uh, in these attacks. And I wanted to focus on something about these attacks. It, we're going to talk about prevention today, but um, beyond prevention um, is an awareness because all the security, all the prevention, all the technology in the world, it won't protect you against a determined attacker. And as we see in this statement here, most losses stem from socially engineered attacks. It doesn't have to be necessarily elegant or super involved. Uh, but 90% of them come from an email. And so the, the risks, uh, they are huge. They're not isolated incidences and uh, we're seeing it increase significantly. I think that's a really important point too, for a couple of reasons. One, um, as you know, I actually changed the title of this after I titled it and I talked about website security and, and you told me, you know, you're really missing, right? And I think a lot of people think this is, has to do with websites, but really the entry point is email or accounting software or some other form, right? It, it can be anywhere. And uh, I think I really appreciated you pointing that out and the reason for the title change, those who, who noticed that. Um, and then the other thing I'm seeing uh, is that it seems to me and maybe it's just serendipity, but it seems to me that agriculture is getting hit more in recent months than it has in recent years. Is that true? And is there a reason for it? Yeah, I absolutely agree um, from what we see. And that takes us into a good point that I wanted to highlight is why ag, why now? Uh, this uh, insurance uh, company, and there's many out there who've done studies about this, but what, what we're seeing is with IoT devices, smart farm technologies, you know, a lot of businesses, they're using technologies to increase efficiencies, but what's happening too is they're exposing cyber threats and they may or may not be aware of it. And so the, um, the profit that the criminals are reaping from ag supplier agribusiness is increasing dramatically. Uh, in fact, in the cybercrime market, the ag sector is seen as a valuable target. And why is that? It's because their attacks are working. Uh, you know, we might think, oh, it's just the larger firms. They're perceived because they have the capacity to pay, so they're being targeted. But a lot of the smaller firms are being targeted too, because they're early, either early adoption 
in digitalizing their business. They're maybe less mature with their security stance. So um, in either case, the agribusiness is viewed as an easy pick. And, and we've seen um, specifically in the ag field, the rate of attacks go up tremendously in the last few years. So ag is a target. And I say ag, it's not just, you know, necessarily a farm or, or agriculture, you know, as far as uh, um, whether you have cattle, whether you have crops, whether you're in irrigation, but all the connected vendors. So the insurance companies, the uh, finance institutions, you know, accounting firms, uh, legal, all the different pieces that go to support the business, all of that in the supply chain is at a significant risk. And yeah, what I want to do, Richard, is I want to really take the audience here into what happens. Uh, I want you guys to see this and I compare it to um, a building security. And what we want to do is we want you to kind of see what's going on with this. So just like in a physical security in a physical building, you know, there are entry points into your environment, right? Uh, some are more easy than others. Uh, some are more statistically prone to get attacked. And in your, your computer environment, in your network system, in the digital landscape, we have the same thing. We have entry points. Now, there's lots of different entry points into your environment where someone can compromise you. By far, the most common that we're going to focus on is these email uh, attacks. And we're going to show you why that's so important. Uh, let me debunk a myth. I'm going to debunk this myth about a firewall. We hear people say, I got a firewall, I'm good. But a firewall is like bars on a window. And it will stop unwanted traffic or unwanted attacks. But uh, in any uh, business or home, what's to stop an attacker from walking in the front door in the middle of the day? No, nothing. Uh, so it's same thing in your firewall. You have to have open ports or open traffic to access the internet, to send email, to use applications. So your firewall has open ports in order for internet to work. So it's good that you have one, but it's not enough uh, just because you have a firewall. And you know we're not gonna dive into all the defense mechanisms, but what I want the audience to do here is go back to your IT department. And I'm sure you have all these defense systems in your environment, but talk to your IT people, your partner, your department, whoever you use, and ask them about these pieces because all too often in cybersecurity, the simplest of things are missed. Uh, and you can go back and talk to them and reveal uh, areas that can be improved upon. Nathan, I have a question here. Um, you know, one of the one of the entry points that you mentioned is the um, <laughs> uh, the the issue of the emails, right? And so, uh, and it's simple, right? You just, uh, maybe it's simple. You attach something that says like, uh, see, please see me, I attached order. And somebody's opening a, uh, uh, an attachment they shouldn't attach or sh shouldn't be reading or opening. H how do we stop that? Well, that's a good uh, question, Richard. Uh, let me do this. Let me switch over here and walk you through how it happens. Uh, because if you want to stop something, if you can reverse engineer it and know what's happening behind the scenes, you're more empowered to stop it, right? So what this, what an attacker has to do um, is an attacker, and by the way, an attacker can be, uh, uh, doesn't have to be some elaborate state-sponsored group. You can go online right now and, and get a, a $50 do-it-yourself uh, attack kit. Uh, and, and it's happening all the time out there and you get either someone with a, 
you know, a little bit of smarts or some bad morals. And, uh, and they're utilizing these methods and they're making money. Uh, so what an attacker has to do is first of all, they have to harvest your account. They have to harvest your email account. One of the most common ways they do that, Richard, is when we send emails, we all have the habit of putting, you know, everybody and their cousin and their brother and the other company and vendor. And we, we put a whole bunch in the two in the CC field. Well, for one thing, you know, the can spam act, that's actually legal at some point. The other thing is though, once you do that, when one of those uh, entities or businesses is compromised, they now have all those email addresses. So it's really easy to harvest email accounts. And all too often, we're just out there putting email addresses all over the place on these online forms. So we want to be really careful about where our company or personal or private email is used. So an attacker is going to harvest some email accounts. It's also why we want to blind copy uh, when possible. The next thing they're going to do is they're going to set up like a Bitcoin encounter, some kind of cryptocurrency where they can receive funds from you uh, for like a ransomware. And they're going to set up an infected web page. And we've probably all seen these. These are impersonated pages like PayPal, Adobe, Microsoft. Um, and what the and these are super easy to set up. You can get a, a free a tool like Kali Linux, and you can create these impersonated websites. So they send you an email. And when you click on it, what happens is you come to a page like this. And here's where the attacker is going to harvest some logins. He's, he's planted the seed, and now he's going to harvest it. I know this looks technical, but this is what it looks like on the backside when a person is at a page like this. And what do you do? You put in your email address. You put in your password. It doesn't work. So you know what you do? You put in another password, and then you put in another one. And you know what the attacker is doing? They're harvesting all your logins that you use to all your accounts. And now you've just given them a whole stack of attack methods that they can use against you. Now, most of the time, for a long time, the attacker is going to do that. They're going to harvest it. And they're going to get access to your email. They're going to have a, what's called BEC, or Business Email Compromise, where they're in your email and they're watching your traffic. They're going to send an email on your behalf to someone else. And what happens is this spreads. Then they decide the point where they want to attack. And so they're going to uh, create like an attack payload. Uh, the attack payload usually will be ransomware. I know this looks cryptic, but again, Kali Linux, you can get a free tool to create a payload right now in a matter of minutes. So how do they pull the trigger? Well, it looks kind of like this. Now, this uh, company, Selco, was kind enough to uh, allow us to use their example. But this is a real example that happened uh, here with Jane. And, you know, it might look obvious, but you'd be surprised at how many people won't catch who it's to. You know, it looks like it came from uh, the company legitimately. Uh, but they miss uh, some of the obvious pieces. And they'll click on this preview document. And what will happen all too often once you click on it, you'll get some kind of page like this. And uh, again, it, you're gonna put in a login in order to harvest your password. So the, uh, the attack methods uh, that they use, as you mentioned, um, email is gonna be one of the most common. And this type of an email right here, this is the smoking gun on how 
uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars can be lost from a compromise. It's yeah, pretty powerful. You. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, because I think what happens is we all get uh, focused on what we're doing. We're plowing through our day. We're, we're, we're focused on uh, what job needs to be done. And we forget that these people are out there and trying this. And sure enough, I, I mean, yeah, I'm the guy who's trying multiple. What, what was my password? Is this it? It'd be an easy harvest, right? This is uh, real, real common, I think. Yep. And so what we want to do is drill into that just a little bit more about what's commonly used here called typo squatting. Uh, you might say, what in the world is that? This is a real case scenario. Now I've hidden the other correspondence here, um, but I, I want to focus in on something. Uh, this is a tactic that we're seeing now on a weekly basis, especially in all ag-related businesses. Now, this is not an attack against James USA. It's an attack against another organization within the supply chain that was targeted with BEC or business email compromise. And I want to ask you a question and for everybody out there. How would you know if somebody was in your email right now? If they had your username and your password and they were able to go in and read and monitor every email you have how would you know i don't i don't think i would unless they were sending emails right and then i would see sent emails and that would be my only indication it would it would be a, a, an ioc uh, an indicator of compromise but and generally speaking we wouldn't right so and in this case the um the company that was being attacked the uh the attacker uh, created an impersonated domain and if you look closely you'll you'll see it you look at the spelling of the website, it's Jane's and look at, they flipped the USA. They put U-A-S. Now, at a first glance, no one's gonna catch that. But what they did, and they even impersonated the signature of Jane, total impersonation here. In fact, this particular case, we contacted the FBI. We had them involved in shutting down this attack. But attached was ACH instructions you see, the attacker had been reading the whole email chain. They knew who was the payee, who was uh, the amount that was being paid, the, the, the vendor, uh, the transactions. And so they, they watch this email chain, and then they slip in one of these altered ACH instruction forms. And when you're just going through the day, and the accounting department's doing these all day every day, if you don't catch it, they're just going to update that and send that out. And so this is a super common way, besides ransomware, that businesses are losing money. Um, I do want to take this moment to remind everybody about what the FBI has. It's called a financial kill chain. Uh, it's a lot more deep topic we can cover. Uh, but if you are a victim of ACH, uh, of uh, wire transfer fraud, if it can be caught within hours, 24 hours, uh, it goes down tremendously after 48 and 72. Um, there is a strong chance that the transaction can be halted or cut. Timing is of the essence if you're ever a victim of, a, of an ACH transfer. So there's a big one that we're seeing, Richard, this typo squatting. Yeah, it's, now, just I want... it's just shocking when you see that too, because it's, uh, it's so easy to miss. Um... And I do want to remind everybody that we do have the chat and the Q&A open. So if you have questions for Nathan uh, that you 
uh, want to ask, put them in there and I'll, I'll be sure to tra transfer the, the, him uh, to him during the, the uh, broadcast here. Great, great. And Richard, this we use this term hack from farm to table or you know, from uh, seed seller to supermarket, but you really got to think about now with a case like this, once they're in your email, once they're monitoring all your traffic, they know your entire supply chain. They know who you're buying from. They know who you're selling to. They know your email chain. They know your signatures. They know how you communicate, how often you make payments. They know everything about you. So they didn't they just target those other entities. When they've gotten all of the information they could possibly get out of you, then they drop their payload, either through an ACH transfer or a ransomware. Once they've got everything they can get out of you, then they go to all the other companies that they've absorbed. And that's why we really want to highlight the power of being protected within the chain, right? With everybody that's on here today, if you're affected, we can be affected. The more that we help each other, the more that all of us are secure, the better that we all win. It's one of the reasons why I'm here today is because we all can gain or we all can win when we all work to combat this and be aware of and share, right? Respond back, hey, something looks fishy, something looks off. So really big on that supply chain. What, what you wanna do is treat every email like a gun, right? If someone hands you a weapon, a firearm, uh, your first training is you always treat that weapon as if it's fully loaded. Until proven otherwise, you treat it as if there's a, a bullet in the chamber. You gotta treat these emails the same way. And when you look at this one, it should be a good example of that same fact. You have to treat it like it's loaded. Until proven otherwise, you have to treat it as if it's suspicious. Otherwise, within just a one quick wrong click, you can see the uh, the impact from, from clicking on it. Yeah. And Nathan, I just want to confirm that uh, this in this situation, it wasn't that Jane's USA was compromised. It was somebody uh, imitating or by switching the uh, uh, the website address uh, that that was the issue. Absolutely, yeah. And we use this example. Uh, I think we did mention that, but yeah. So Jane was not compromised here at all. Uh, it, it, but one of the other businesses within the supply chain, they were targeted. Uh, and because Jane is involved with business, as you know, we're all we're all connected one way or another, right? Doing business with each other, especially in the ag supply chain. Um, and the company that was targeted here, I'm, I'm I'm hiding who that was. They were targeted in the same exact fashion for many other people within the supply chain. We just happened to be aware of it uh, because this information was shared back to us. So it was an attack on Jane. It just so happens it was an attack within the supply chain. Right, and that's why we talk about the power of, of uh, the supply chain. Great, now, thank you. What we want to do is uh, talk about the power of a password. So when you can see the effect that these attacks can have, we think about how in the world do these happen? We, we talked about the payload, but we want to highlight the power of a password. A password is like your keys, okay? If I have your keys, in your alarm code, uh, what's to stop me from going in your business, your office, your home, anytime I want? And again, how would you know, right? It's the same with a password. When someone has a password to, and in farming now, there are so many more devices and accounts, whether it's precision irrigation, smart irrigation, you know, uh, uh, temperature controllers for your, the cattle or uh, uh, sensors. There's just so many pieces now happening within ag 
And all these things have some kind of login. And all too often, when you're trying to make something work, you know, they have this concept, oh, it's plug and play. Well, you plug it in and usually what happens is people play with it until they make it work. And one of the first things to go is security. And it's the last thing to ever circle back and get set up. So when it comes to your password, again, we could talk in depth about it, but one takeaway is keep your password separate for your key accounts, like your financial institutions, your corporate email. Don't reuse those passwords for other accounts because those other accounts, they will be compromised at some point, as mentioned, no matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when they get that password, they're going to have access now to your email. Once they have access to your email, they got the whole, they got the whole, uh, they got the whole bucket, right? Because they can do password resets. They see all your communication. So that's why you want to protect your email so much. And the password is one of the primary ways. I know it seems simple, but it is powerful on how you can protect yourself. So, so Nathan, help us out here. I know one thing's for sure is I know a lot of people uh, when they get to eight or 10 or 12 uh, uh, characters um, and they get a good one, right? They can remember, they use it everywhere, right? So what are some tips you can give us for setting up um, uh, passwords that are you know, very secure and, and uh, easy to remember or maybe there's another technique to remembering them? Yeah, uh, some of the things we, and some of it is in the don't category. Don't ever use a word. Uh, some people will use a, like a date or a word. Um, for, from an attack standpoint, those are going to be some of the first things that are attacked is using a word um, or some kind of important date in that person, uh, whether their employment date, their hired, you know, their uh, birth date or some. We see that all too often that people will use those kinds of things in the password. Uh, one uh, suggestion in a password is use a phrase um, and just use like the first letters in a phrase, you know, like a, I love my daughter, Madison, you know, I-L-M-D. What happens is you can really quickly create what might seem like a cryptic password, mm. but you know what it is because you can type it. And muscle memory is important as well when you type passwords. Uh, when you think of a password, um, your password only needs to outlive you. Uh, you know, there, for a financial institution, you can create a long, lengthy one. Uh, but if you have a password that gets to where it survives two centuries, um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so uh, one of the key things is keep a couple separate. And what you can do if you forget them until you have some muscle memory, uh, write it down and put it in your wallet. Don't put it on your monitor. Don't put it on your desk. Put it in your wallet. Uh, have a few passwords and just keep some segregation of those accounts. That's a there's so much to that point, but that's a couple of quick, uh, quick tips. So, so Nathan, is there some password keeper software? We've got a question coming in from our audience that, uh, that you recommend, uh, this person saying I've got 20 passwords to remember. It's hard to remember all of them. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'd be happy to, uh, communicate directly, maybe even offline. I'll share my contact information and I can share some of those that might be a uh, good, uh, tools. Um, you know, once you use a password manager, uh, you do have the risk of that password manager being compromised. So uh, there are some good, strong tools out there that work. Um, but uh, again, I, there's some more details on that. I'd be happy to cover that maybe directly one-on-one. -on -one. Some case-by-case yeah, okay. -case questions. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. 
Now, one of the topics we wanted to cover, Richard, was if you get attacked. Um, and I'll tell you, the things we've discussed, there's 10 webinars on each one of those topics on really uh, um, understanding what happens. But we want to cover this piece about if you get attacked, what do you do? Um, one of the key things is knowing early. Don't ignore the signs. Uh, there's these things called indicators of compromise. You mentioned it, right? Things in your sent items. Um, uh, your computer acts uh, weird. You know, it's kind of funky. It's slow. There's pop-ups. Things don't seem right. Don't ignore those indicators of compromise. Uh, emails look like they're being read. Uh, things are uh, showing up in different folders that they shouldn't. These are all indicators that something isn't right. Um, and when there is some kind of threat or risk, you got to communicate. Communicate with your team, with your IT department, your IT partner. The earlier you can identify a threat and catch it, the smaller the compromise will be. Sometimes you can catch a threat and shut it off before the attacker has an opportunity to you know, pull the trigger or do the dirty work. Now, other times they've already done it, but you can catch it before the spread is too wide. So the earlier you can communicate, the better. Now, let's say you, you're attacked. Someone's in your account. You can clearly see you're in the middle of an attack. The first thing you want to do is isolate it. Um, and usually you isolate it, the breach, by changing your password. Uh, again, that password is the key to the kingdom. Use a computer <laughs> that you can trust that's not affected and change that password of whatever account was compromised. Contact your IT department, work with them to change the password. And now you gotta think, Richard, where else have I used that password? Because everywhere else you've used that password is compromised. The right thing to do is to change a password to anything you've used on that computer. It might seem elaborate, but the attacker, once they've gotten their, gotten stuff out of you, they're gonna wait till the next convenient time. So to take the opportunity to change the password. And if the infection is really bad, if you're really infected, you gotta isolate it completely. Disable it, shut it down, turn it off, uh, turn the user account off, shut the computer. You gotta stop the spread, right? Super important. Um, sometimes, the, you know, think about if you can, what do you wanna shut down? One or two computers or your entire company? A lot of these people that we see shut down, you know, the Colonial Pipeline, the, uh, I don't know if in Florida they had a huge uh, attack or their water system was uh, compromised, you know, with this uh, JBS. A lot of these attacks had the, had they isolated it, it wouldn't have gotten so, uh, so broad. Of course, we want to eradicate, that might seem obvious, but one of the things you can do, and this is something that anybody can do, is you can go review the sign-ins, review the logins, uh, because uh, sometimes you think you're clean. Richard, we had a case where uh, a gal had uh, clicked on an email, infected a, a system, in fact, she infected a server, a bunch of files. Uh, so this whole thing kicked in, this whole incident response plan was isolated, it was cleaned, it was all good and cared for. They were down for a couple of days, long story short. We released the system back and would you, would you believe that within a couple hours, she repeated it? You know what happened was she had logged into a personal email account and she had clicked on one of those links that had the payload. So the whole thing repeated itself. So you really wanna make sure that you've identified what the cause was and you've cleaned it so that it doesn't get repeated, right? 
That's a really good point. I, I like your point too about, you know, identify it early because I think oftentimes, you know, I would be embarrassed, right? Oh man, I did this to my company. I want to ignore it. I don't want to really alert people. I want it to go away, but uh, you're not going to be able to stop it that way, right? And in fact, you're making it worse by every second you delay. So uh, really early alert will be something that uh, you'll, you'll be remembered for in a positive way. Absolutely, because I think everybody, especially in, in this field now, is realizing, and if they're not, you know, let this be a little wake up call, but it's, it's the attack's going to happen and you really have to take it from the standpoint that you're already compromised. That the fact that there, there, someone could already be in someone's email. So then, you know, what do you do? Well, you got to communicate, right? You got to communicate with your vendors, your partners. You don't have to spill the beans if you, you can control how you communicate that, but you got to let them know because there's a good chance they could be in their environment. And again, within the supply chain, that's the kind of thing that's happening. It's spreading to all the different people in the ag supply chain. And it and it um, yeah, it's being hit real hard. Yeah, so we have another question coming in from one of our uh, audience members, uh, and they, they want to say, do you need to create regular backups of online programs such as QuickBooks Online or Microsoft SharePoint? Is that a question is do, yeah, so <laughs> good, good question. Um, the three, two, one, a backup, right? I didn't include that slide here. It's really another presentation, but it's a good question. The three, two, one, a backup is always three copies of your data on at least two different media and at least one offsite and cold. Now, uh, something like SharePoint, great, great technology. You have versions of the file, but what happens if every version of the file is either purged or compromised? Do you have a second copy of that data? So these online uh, tools like Dropbox, uh, uh, OneDrive, SharePoint, uh, these sources, uh, when they even they have versioning, it's not backup. You don't have an offline cold copy. We had a client that uh, well, a company we worked with many years ago, and uh, they, they ended up getting compromised. And the first thing the attacker did was he logged in and deleted all the backups, purged all the copies of all the files, and then dropped their payload. So uh, Office 365, uh, Dropbox, all these tools, um, they don't, it's backup is not embedded. Backup is a separate piece that you want to investigate. Same with your QuickBooks file. Yeah, what happens if it got compromised? It's good to download a copy and have an offline copy. And there's a lot of ways to accomplish that, but you want an offline cold copy of your data. Okay, great. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah. Richard, when you see when you see these guys pay the ransom, police departments, hospitals, no matter which company is, when they pay the ransom, there's only one reason they pay. They don't have backup, or they can't access it, or they can't restore it, or they can't do it very quickly. If they had their data, if they had a good backup of their system, they wouldn't have to pay the ransom. So that's a huge eye opener. Uh, and, and really in, um, in security now, on the cybersecurity stage, uh, backup and, and what you do afterward is as important as how you prevent it. It's like that last point there. Okay, what lessons did we learn from getting attacked? How can we prevent it? And how can we uh, be prepared? And one of the best ways of being prepared is having a good contingency plan, right? Now, uh, kind of our last couple of pieces, we, we wanted to share this no cost initiative. So what we wanted to do is give the audience some tools right now 
that they probably have at their disposal that they may not realize it. And I, I struggled because I had hundreds of items. I just picked six that I think are the most powerful. We talked about the passwords. This is a no cost piece right now. I will tell you that if I, I've seen more attacks than I can count. And had there been a separation of passwords on key accounts, your financial institution, your corporate email, your corporate computer, your personal email, had those passwords been separate, either the, the compromise wouldn't have happened or it wouldn't have been near as bad. This uh, number two external sender warning. Richard, right now, if you have an Exchange server or an Office 365 on a lot of email platforms, you can turn this on for free. Have you ever seen that? You've corresponded with somebody and they have this little tag and it says this email is external. Well, that can be really powerful. Like the example we saw earlier, that typo squatting, uh, that flag could have popped up depending on how it was turned on. So uh, that external sender warning can be a really powerful, no cost item that businesses can do right now. Uh, number three is this uh, mouse over links. So when you have an email, you can put your mouse over the link. Don't click it. Clicking it is pulling the trigger. But you can put your mouse over the link, which is the same as checking the chamber and seeing where that link goes. And uh, most of the time, you can identify it's a bad location. This point number four about uh, your antivirus and your, your operating system updates, it might seem like a trivial item, but we can't cut corners, Richard. Uh, these methods are still being used as an attack vector and people have the stuff right now. They have the tools. You just got to make sure it's being updated. And just by doing that, you uh, you increase your, your stance. Uh, right now, you can, if you have a Gmail account, you can go to Gmail and go to your security settings. And they have this really neat little tool that you can walk through to check your security. Uh, it'll, it'll check all the places that people have logged in. It'll say, hey, uh, Richard, you, you logged in from Texas yesterday and from New York this morning. Are you, do you trust those? They go, well, no, that's, that's not me, right? So again, how would you know if someone's in your email? Well, you have the ability right now on a lot of your email tools to review your sign-in activity. I'd encourage everyone right now, go log in and look. Look at your sign-in activity and see if you trust it. Hope maybe your IT department's doing that now. You can talk to them about that. And this last one, Richard, if there was one thing right now that everybody could do that would significantly improve security, it would be with multi-factor authentication. And this MFA or 2FA, we, we've probably seen that. It started with banks, you know, you sign in and they, they text you a code and it's a little bit of an inconvenience, but that one element will substantially increase your security. The thing about security that's happening right now is the risks, the threats are going up. So if we stay, what's this called status quo, we're actually, creating a gap and our risk is going up tremendously. And that although two-factor on anything can be compromised, if you do multi-factor authentication, uh, it's usually free on most tools, um, you significantly increase your, your security stance. And that's what we talk about beyond prevention. You have to assume that you're breached in some location. And so these are some no-cost initiatives right now that everybody can, can take advantage of. And uh, this is my last example, Richard. I think we talked about it, uh, but this one hits home. Uh, you know, not, not everyone may be from the uh, Central California area, uh, but we talked about how do we know this stuff's really happening? Uh, I'm not gonna name the company, but I'll tell you that probably a lot of you know them. Uh, this company, the attacker started out with a $36,000 vendor wire transfer fraud. We talked about how that happens. 
they were successful. Uh, so they went to the next step of a $700,000 wire transfer. They were successful in that. And this one of these mechanisms was typo squatting. One was a business email compromise. We talked about it. One was they knew the password. We talked about all the things that could have prevented this. And this last one is they had this logistics company. Uh, they owed 500000 They were able to slide in an email chain in the middle of a conversation, impersonate the trucking company, and receive the funds. So this ad company lost over a million dollars in this cyber attack. All of it was prevented relatively easily. Uh, this wasn't in the news. And most of these are not in the news. But I'll tell you that we are seeing them really at an alarming rate. That's kind of why we wanted to and share this uh, this topic with you as well. Yeah, so I'm curious, um, when you pay the ransom, are you, I, I mean, I'd, I'd be worried I'd pay the ransom, right? I mean, and uh, I, I wouldn't get uh, the key or whatever I needed to uh, get my data back. And that's really common. A, a lot of people, they these uh, attackers go in, they drop their ransomware, um, they open up an account to receive funds. It's only open for a few days. If you try paying it after the fact, uh, they may receive your money, but they may not give you a decryption key. The decryption key may not work. It may only fix some of your data and it may not get your system back up. So there's no guarantee in paying the ransom. And Richard, if, the, if people wouldn't pay the ransom, we wouldn't have ransomware because it wouldn't work. The fact is it's working. So yeah, we've covered some great, great ways that companies can, uh, can pre um, prepare themselves. And that's really the point. This is my last piece here is preparing for, responding to, recovering from. All those pieces have got to be a part of your business continuity plan. And it's the risks are only increasing in the ag field. So if you take a moment and really give this some, of, some time that it deserves in your organization, in so many ways, you will have a competitive advantage when another person in the supply chain or maybe a competitor, we're all being targeted. When they go down, the impact to them either directly financially or operationally is going to affect their business. And by you as an organization preparing for these things, you can have a, a quite the competitive advantage over others in the field. Uh, so we want to take it very seriously. Um, and I hope that some of this information will allow some of the business, if nothing else, to, to kind of open their eyes. And I'd be happy to answer any questions, you know, now or after the fact. I even put my contact info there. Uh, if anyone has any questions you want to take offline, I'm happy to, to uh, try to help with that. Yeah, Nathan, that's really generous for you to add that information and excellent job today. We do have a few questions I did want to take. If you are compromised, is there... You mentioned the FBI earlier. Is that the right law enforcement agency to contact? Who, who should you contact? Yeah, the, the FBI Cyber Crime Division or IC3 um, is who you wanna uh, work with. Uh, there's some local uh, people in that team, but you can file a complaint online at the IC3 org. I, I can email more information. Um, if you contact the local police department, they're going to fill out a fraud claim and it's really not going to go anywhere unless there's actual money taken, has to be over a certain amount, and they have to have enough uh, other people affected in the same way to do anything about it. Otherwise, it doesn't go anywhere. So filing a police claim in many instances doesn't really do a lot. Uh, there are cases where it could help, but the um, work with your IT department, 
there's also some, some great companies out there if you do have an attack who are designed to help you with that. But, uh, but the FBI, uh, IC3 is where you want to file a complaint with, and they'll work with you as well. Okay, great, uh, great suggestion. The other question we have is, um, it sure seems like if I wire money to somebody, right, or pay this ransom, that somebody would be able to track that. It'd be traceable and they would catch the person. Right, yeah, so one of the most common ways is they'll set up a, a bank account and most of the time the money will end up going overseas. We've seen this many of times in Europe, Netherlands, France, in, uh, many countries, they'll wire the transfer and someone will literally be waiting at the bank to receive that money. They'll walk in, they'll cash out the money and they'll walk away. Once it goes overseas, the ability to recover the money or trace the person, the ability to do that goes, goes down tremendously. So, and that's why the FBI has this thing called a financial kill chain. If you can catch it, within 24 hours, 48 at the most, and go through the steps of the financial kill chain, the FBI has counterparts worldwide where in many cases they can stop it on the other end. So it's, it works both if you don't do anything about it and it works if you can catch it early enough. Yeah, so listen, um, such a great job today. I'm, uh, you know, my heart's kind of beating extra fast right now. I'm worried about this. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's probably appropriate that uh, uh, everybody's sense of security here is uh, heightened a little bit. And uh, I know people will be taking action, you know, right after to make sure they're a little bit more secure as a result of this. So uh, yeah, and the, and the whole tactic, you know, it's not a, a fear tactic. It's an information tactic. You know, we want you to be informed. We're not trying to create any kind of fear threat uh, I'm not selling anything. We just want to help people be informed. If you're informed and educated, you can take some practical steps. And then you're not the low-hanging fruit. Don't be the low-hanging fruit. And you, if you can increase that a little bit, it'll go a long way in your business. Yeah, great point. Uh, again, excellent job. Thank you so much. Uh, very generous for you to put your contact information up here and, uh, and welcome questions. I hope people will take advantage of that. Thanks to all of you for joining us uh, this afternoon for another segment of the Jane Irrigation Series. As you know, all our segments are on the Jane's USA website forward slash trainings. Uh, we're also wherever you like to hear your favorite podcasts, uh, we're there and you can play these uh, uh, as you're um, you know, going about your job or uh, site to site. So again, Nathan, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. And thanks all of you for joining. We'll see you uh, on Friday. Thanks.